You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani at BilalV87 on Twitter and Instagram. AW Dynamite, and this is a quote, the fun and games are over, end quote. Those were the exact words of John Moxley as he started AW Dynamite tonight. And I think that sums up where the product is right now. In fairness, to Mo- in fairness to Moxley, he cut an excellent promo. And he called out the inner circle. He called out Chris Jericho. He clearly didn't have any backup. Jericho came out with the inner circle. He made some mum jokes because we're in Ohio where uh, Moxley's from. And uh, he even had brought in some thugs, care of uh, Santana Ortiz. And it was now 10 versus 1. Moxley still attacked them, and, and then they were pulled apart. And this goes on for some time. Moxley also attacked a guard, and I, I just uh, did not care. Like, this, uh, this did not do it for me at all. I, uh, like, this is how you start a show? It felt very WWE. And what's the point of having an alternative if you're not WWE? We then went directly into MJF. I had a video package. <laughs> Wasn't a very big package, pardon the pun. Him and Wardlow uh, were meeting with the bunny who had a blade at a butcher shop with the butcher and the blade, if you follow. So they're at a butcher shop. The bunny has a blade. And also the butcher and the blade themselves are there, the wrestlers. And MJF and Wardlow are there. And this all builds to him handing them an envelope that says Young Bucks. So that's, that's it. Then immediately entered the ring, which uh, was a weird choice. Uh, and, uh, you know, you could have spaced this out earlier. You could have put this match later. Like, I guess you couldn't have put this promo earlier. I get why it was here. But why go right from a video package to these people's entrances? Like, it's just weird. And I didn't like it. MJF... When we came back from the commercial break that obviously ensued here, MJF was on commentary. That was great. Do not give... In fact, I think MJF is better as a commentator than he ever is as an in-ring promoist. That's my opinion, and I made up the word promoist. Anyways, um, it was the Young Bucks taking on the Butcher and the Blade. Obviously, the Bunny was there. Pretty sure the Young Bucks won. I know the Young Bucks won. Post-match, there was an attack. Kenny Omega came to make the save. And eventually, when things were pretty much in hand, Hangman Page came down with a whiskey or a beer. I don't really care. Uh, Basically told one of the Young Bucks, take my beer, and then lay the smack down, which was pretty awesome. And uh, Wardlow and MJF just watched this, which uh, seemed weird because if they had just come down, the numbers would have been even, but instead they just sort of stood there in shock. Up next, it was Nyla Rose taking on a Big Swole. Nyla won. And she's probably going to face Rio again. I, I I, don't care. I don't even get why Nyla's a heel. I, I know she's big, but there's a great story there, and, and they don't want to tell it. And Big Swole is okay. She doesn't really... I don't really dislike her. I don't really like her. She's very average. We then moved on to Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford taking on Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson. Ton of interference spots here. Some of them pretty creative, some of them pretty textbook, but generally pretty good. Arn actually got ejected after Ford had thrown a shoe in the ring, and Arn, I guess, has not learned nothing from being a legend of all the times. He still can lose his, you know what, in the ring and get ejected. 
And then Ford kind of did her best Selena Vega impersonation and hit a Hurricane Rana off this distraction. And she is very much a poor man's, poor woman's Selena Vega. She's not the great talker. She looks awkward out there. You know, whether it was uh, a spot earlier in the match where she pretended to be passed out. Didn't really get all of that. And then when she did the Hurricane Rana, she clearly wasn't in the right gear or... I just didn't hit it right, maybe not having the shoe. It just, it all looked a little messy. There was a great spot. Well, there was an entertaining spot. I don't know if I'd call it great, because I would never do this. Where on the outside, Sabian was going to kiss Penelope Ford after the Hurricane Rana. And I guess for some reason, they decided to do this very close to the fans, which you would never do. And of course, Joey Janela popped his head out and seemed quite happy, not just to get a kiss from his ex-girlfriend, Penelope Ford, but also from Sabian. So, shout out to Joey Janela. You are an equal, equal opportunity pop-up kisser. And this was a pretty weirdly funny spot. Again, I don't know if it's anything I would ever ask for, but I enjoyed it on some weird level. Cody uh, got fired up for whatever reason after this kiss. Maybe he's got a Joey Janela fantasy. I don't know what's going on. And he demolished Sabian, which I don't know why he wasn't fired up before. Weird. Uh, we then replayed that awful Britt Baker promo from last week. And normally, this would be a terrible idea, but it highlighted how much better things got. Uh, although they clearly have no interest in bleeping her or saying the S word in a replay of what happened last week where they didn't bleep it. They are uh, looking for an FCC fine if I ever saw somebody looking for it. For some reason, Tony Schiavone agreed to interview Britt Baker again and seemed to want to apologize to her at the start of this. Baker asked him to refer to her as doctor. Good start. She rightfully ripped good old JR for cutting her off last week and called him out for not being able to pronounce names of people in AEW, which has happened. She called it her division many times, which I liked. Good repetition. I don't understand, though, why no one just attacked her, interrupted her. Oh, the whole women's locker room is just like, you know, Britt makes some good points. I hate JR, too. I have no problem. Like, uh, seemed unrealistic. She diagnosed Tony with gingivitis. I can't even finish that sentence. And told him to pick up a damn to toothbrush. She said Cleveland finally had a baker they could trust. Excellent, excellent stuff. Britt Baker, I apologize for being so hard on you. You are a great heel based on one week, and I sincerely hope you continue this. Chef's kiss, excellent. Lexi, who's apparently some new interviewer not related to Alexa Bliss, was backstage, actually in the locker room of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, which seemed rather inappropriate, but luckily it was not. Paige walked in, and I guess he had just got his title nameplates. That took a long time. And he had a couple for the Young Bucks and kind of joked about them needing them. To which Kenny Omega quickly jumped in to try to clean this up and said, Hey, we've got an eight-man tag. It's the Butcher and the Blade. And they get to pick two people. But right before this, uh, the Bucks kind of mentioned the Dark Order. So that's probably where they're going to go. But maybe, because we see them later, maybe we get MJF and Wardlow. I doubt it. And, uh, you know, I, I get that you have to get the Young Bucks into a number one contender spot. They're third in the tag team division right now. But man, you know, with a month to go to the pay-per-view, this is going to take forever, isn't it? Speaking of which, SCU were in the ring. Well, that's what Lexi said on her first day. They were not in the ring. 
they were entering the ramp, uh, and then they finally got there to their entrance. They did wear Kobe jerseys as a, a, a tribute to the late Kobe Bryant, which I liked, but they just sort of did it with their regular entrance. I would have loved it if they had paused and just taken a moment to honor Kobe. Like, it was a little tone deaf to me. I, I just, if you're going to tribute Kobe, stop the music, stop yelling SCU for the billionth time, and say SCU needs to take a moment for Kobe. That would have been a great moment, and they kind of just wore the jerseys and did the same stupid stick, so I was pretty upset about that. Um, Daniels continues to just worry me. He stumbled and dropped the microphone at one point, which is in a whole cane. You know, it's already a support device. I don't know how you drop it. At this point, I was very upset. I had no DVR skips when the commercial break came up. They were taking hybrid, too, for some reason. Uh, obviously, they had no chance. And apparently, title rematches are a thing, so we'll probably see SCU against Omega and Page at some point. I'm not looking forward to that. The Dark Order, after this match, told Christopher Daniels, the exhausted one. I'm sorry, that's a typo. The exalted one. I was the one who was exa the exhausted one at this point. Was very upset. So, they would attack his brothers in SCU. Alright. Okay. Pac then filmed the worst horror short I, I've ever seen. He was on some staircases in black and white. He was doing some Bray Whitey type stuff. He warned John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Can't make his mind up who he's going after. That everything was going to be on his ta timetable. But starting next week. He doesn't even have a tag team partner. How's he going to deal with, pa with Pac and uh, eventually Paige? You know. This seemed like very short-sighted. And the fact that Pac can't really focus on Dean or Kenny, he has to go after both, is probably a bad idea when you're a loner. Finally, in what was probably the worst AW main event I've ever seen, Darby Allen and Private Party. I have no idea why these guys teamed up together. I have no idea why they didn't help Moxley, Moxley earlier, and that becomes a problem after the match. Took on Y2J and LAX, because I just want to drop you as few letters as possible to describe this. And you've, if you are expecting to get a lot of Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. You were sorely disappointed. You primarily got Private Party and LAX. I, I couldn't care less. I forgot this match was on my TV by the end of it when the bell rang. This is boring. Jericho uh, and his team got the win. They attacked after. They lined up Darby Allen with a skateboard to his throat and smashed it down. And after the commentators that said that that move could end Darby Allen's career. John Moxley finally decided to show up with a baseball bat and clear the ring. Um, but if you were going to believe JR, far too late. And that's kind of my whole problem with this thing. You could have started the night with that exact Moxley promo, and when he was outnumbered, Darby Allen and Private Party could have come out and helped him, and it would have been four on five, and you could have had a narrative. Moxley could have been in their corner or on commentary. You could have done so much more with this, and I don't understand why they didn't do that. Just disappointing all around. And look, I like the Britt Baker promo. That was it. That was it. I, uh, I couldn't care less about most of this show. This is bad. And we have still a month. Still a month till the next pay-per-view. And it's crazy that in WWE, where there's too many pay-per-views, AEW's gone so far down the other end, I'd rather have more pay-per-views. I'd rather have uh, two to three shows between now and WrestleMania. Whatever it is. Apparently, Fastlane is gone. But I'm glad there's a Saudi show. 
I'm glad there's a uh, Elimination Chamber. I'm very excited for the Elimination Chamber. I'm probably more excited for the Elimination Chamber than this Revolution pay-per-view, which uh, seems to be, like, never happening. Like, it is ridiculous. You can tweet me at BilalV87 on Twitter. Uh, I Thank you for those who listen to the end, regardless of how you feel about AEW. I gotta do some podcasts and something else in wrestling because this is just going nowhere. Uh, much like AEW Dynamite. Peace. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.